emanating from www.michaelnimmons.org. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is Michael Eric Dice. Hello there, I'm meteorologist Denise Isaac from WXYZ Channel 7. This is Wayne Braddock, 910 AM. Comedian Horace H.B. Sanders. What's up, H.B.? Hey, what's up, Michael? Hey, <laughs> you're a winner, boy. Look at you, right? You're thinking out loud now. Look at I just end with this. No matter where you go, that's where you'll be. <laughs> yes! And you're listening to this. And I'm thinking out loud with my guy, Mike Nimmons. Make sure you check them out every week on Thinking Out Loud Radio. Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. This is Michael Eric Dyson. And when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. Featuring author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons. Featuring former state rep and 13th Congressional District candidate, the Honorable Chanel Jackson. So, Chanel, tell us what makes you the best candidate to fill this highly sought-after seat. Catch it on iTunes, Google Play Music, or tune in. So there's nobody else who'll be able to say every aspect of their career, every aspect of their service, they've been a change agent and they've produced results. That's what I've done, and that's why I'm the best candidate. And I believe that's why I deserve the support of the voters, and I'll continue to work and earn it. You can be to the Out Loud Radio Show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, and I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons. Well, guys, I'm excited uh, that you tuned in to the show that's giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is our birthday show, that's right, and we're calling it Chapter 42. Uh, I like that, you know, as you get older and get more mature, you kind of look at your life a little bit differently, and um, we're not calling it years, but you're calling it chapters in this voluminous book called Life, and uh, that's just a great way to look at it, you know, especially coming from an author who's written a couple books, uh, so always a great vantage point and perspective to look at your life uh, that way, instead of years, but but chapters and the older you get the the more the deeper 
uh, the chapters become, you know, the more uh, profound and prolific the chapters become for you. So this is chapter 42. And I tell you, when you look at it that way, when you look at your life that way, it is really quite, quite refreshing. So I'm excited. Thank you guys. Sending a special shout out to those who um, have given us uh, birthday wishes on our Facebook pages. Thank you so very much. We truly, truly appreciate it. Those of you who posted on our personal page, thank you. I appreciate it. You've already made our birthday uh, very, very special. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We've gotten birthday wishes from a lot of different people, and I truly appreciate you f for thinking of us. We truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. You uh, didn't have to do it. And um, our birthday was actually on April 1st, Sunday, Easter Sunday. And according to history, um, uh, the last time those two dates or two holidays converged was uh, 1956. So uh, it was a very historic uh, birthday uh, for Easter and um, April Fool's Day. Yeah, we know to be on the same day. Uh, although we celebrate again our birthday on April 1st. Uh, but the older you get, the longer you celebrate. So we're going to be celebrating our birthday all month long. Let me tell you, we're going to, we got a lot of great things planned for our radio show. Uh, a lot of great guests that we have uh, in store uh, for you on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. So we are excited. Thank you again for sharing this time with us because we've got a great show in store for you. A great series of shows, let me tell you, uh, in store for you. That's why you've got to really stay connected to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. you got to follow us because you never know who we're going to be talking with next. You never know what we're going to be doing next. So uh, go to our Facebook fan page, uh, facebook.com slash Thinking Out Loud radio show. And like our Facebook fan page. That way you'll be the first uh, to get all the information about who we're talking to next. What we're going to be doing next. What we're going to be talking about next. We post it all on our Facebook fan page. And do us a favor. When you like the page, share it. Share it with your neighbors. Share it with your coworkers. Share it with your family. Share it with your friends. Let somebody know what's going on on Thinking Out Loud Radio. In this chapter 42 VIP edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, we're talking with international photojournalist and motivational speaker, the incomparable and incredible Monica Morgan. She is an absolutely amazing, talented, and gifted woman who has definitely made an indelible mark in the photography industry. Everybody who's anybody has been photographed by her, and she is not just an unbelievably, unbelievably talented uh, young lady, but she is also unbelievably humble as well. And that's one of the reasons this is such a great interview, and I'm glad she took some time out to celebrate Chapter 42 with us. And I can't wait to share her interview with you, and it's coming up in just a few minutes. 
I want to give uh, some very special young people a shout out on this chapter 42 VIP edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. I want to shout out all of my mentees from David Ellis Academy West. There's some very special young people to me in our Vision Academy mentorship program. They are on currently on spring break right now, but they told me that they're going to be listening to the show. So if you're listening, I'm going to give everybody a shout out. I'm going to give each of you a shout out on this chapter 42 VIP edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Morgan Williams, Milan Moses, Michaela Smith, Imani Dozier, Markel Moses, my man, Amaru Munger, uh, Demaya White. Jasmine White, Nyla Williams, Michael Hunter, Leah Valentine, London Johnson, Gwendolyn Jackson, Heaven Willis, Marlon Ogletree, Mariana Hildreth, Lamaya Hildreth, Michaela Blackwell, Nylisa uh, Turner, and Dorica Smith. Thank you guys so much for being a special part of the Vision Academy Mentorship Program. I truly, truly appreciate them. I hope you guys are working on your spring break scavenger hunt that we gave you to complete over the break. We can't wait to see you guys on next Wednesday, April the 11th, when we uh, meet again after spring break. And again, these are a great group of kids that are part of the Vision Academy Mentorship Program, which is one of our first initiatives of the Vision Initiative Nonprofit Organization. And we're in our fifth week of this program at David Ellis Academy West and can already see that we're making a positive impression and impact upon the lives of these precious young people. And if you want more information about the Vision Academy Mentorship Program or the Vision Initiative Nonprofit Organization, we encourage you to go to our Facebook page. Go to Facebook.com, The Vision Initiative. Uh, and there you can see photos and videos from some of our sessions as well as click the donate button where you can sow a seed into the lives of these young people and help us help them become the leaders that we know they have the potential to be. Go there and help us to continue making a difference in their young lives. We want to be able to expand and grow our program to reach even more young people across Metro Detroit. But we need your help to make it happen. So take a few minutes and go to the uh, Facebook.com uh, slash The Vision Initiative and check out some of the photos and videos there. And click the donate button and sow a seed into the life of these positive young people. And always remember to stick around for our thought of the week in memory of the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We will be sharing with you excerpts of his mountaintop speech. That's right, that he gave on April 3rd, 50 years ago. This is the eve of his assassination. 
uh, April 3rd at Mason Temple in Memphis, Tennessee. Many people have gathered there today now to commemorate the 50-year anniversary of his death. And I believe they are having a big rally at Mason Temple uh, right now, actually, at 8 p.m. Uh, that's streaming now live. But we would like uh, to join in that celebration and join in the memory of this giant of a leader by listening to an excerpt or playing an excerpt of one of his most famous addresses entitled, I've Been to the Mountaintop on what would be considered the eve of his assassination 50 years ago. Stick around, guys, for that powerful sermon. Begin this week's current events segment talking about the funeral of Stephen Clark, which took place on March 29th in Sacramento, California, and it was live streamed across much of the national media outlets for a portion of it. But some outlets dropped out or dropped coverage because of interruptions from Stephen's brother, Stevante. It was a funeral filled with, as one reporter put it, raw emotion. At a certain point, Stevante walked up onto the pulpit and began walking around and then took the mic from speakers and started the I Am Stephen Clark chant. He also began to make some other off-color off, uh, off remarks about the reasons he believed people were there and what his plans were to memorialize the legacy of his brother. And it was at this point that some media outlets dropped their coverage because it seemed that the, the quorum of the funeral appeared to be out of control. But Reverend Al Sharpen, to, to me, always has a knack for bringing things back around and Putting everything in its proper context. Take a listen. Come on, Stevante. I am. I am. I am. I am. I am. I am. Let me say this. Stevante and this family is why we're here. You don't tell people in pain how to handle their pain. You don't tell people when you kill their loved one how to grieve. We did not come for you uppity bourgeois proper folk we came for Stevante, we came for the family, we came because this boy should be alive today. Let me say, yesterday, the president's press secretary said this is a local matter. No, this is not a local matter. They've been killing young black men all over the country. And we are here to say that we're going to stand with Stephon Clark and the leaders of his family. We are putting aside our differences. It's time for preachers to come out the pulpit. It's time for politicians to come out the office. It's time for us to go down and stop this madness. Some reporter said to me, 
about how this brother and others stop cars. They stopped this young man's life. They were not violent. They didn't shoot at anybody 20 times. They didn't take anybody down. We saw the video. Do the right thing. We will never let you forget the name of Stephon Clark until we get justice. This is about justice. This is about standing with people with courage. He wants to build a resource center in his brother's name. Are we gonna help him do it? He wants a library so young black children like his nieces and nephews can leave, read because of Stefan's name. Are we gonna help him do it? And are we going to challenge the prosecutor to bring justice in the name of Stefan Clark? So I want him to know that we're with him. When the cameras are gone, we're with him. When everybody that runs through for their photo op, we're with him. Because this brother could be any one of us. So let them express and grieve themselves. We are not shamed of them. We are proud of them for standing up for justice. And I understand both sides of the spectrum. You know, one side of that spectrum is those who feel that, uh, you know, Stevante taking the mic and interrupting the funeral proceedings uh, with chants of I am Stephen Clark and taking the mic from speakers and, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, saying, making off color remarks um, were in some respects in poor taste. But the other side of that spectrum is a young man who one family refers to or, or says is struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder as in, in dire need of medical attention. The trauma of losing two of your brothers to violence and having to deal with all of this at a very young age has got to be extremely difficult. And how can we ask this young man to control his emotions. How can we say this is how someone is supposed to grieve or is not supposed to grieve? You you never really know how it feels to lose a loved one until you lose a loved one. And you don't want someone who doesn't understand your grief to tell you how to grieve. This is such a sensitive moment uh, for uh, Stevante and his family. And I, we, in our continued thoughts and prayers go out to them, and I hope that uh, and pray that Stevante gets the help that he needs to be able to deal uh, with this tragic loss, um, and be, and and that he would be uh, uh, be able to get the help he needs so that he can be in a better mental state because. Uh, that is so very important for him and and for his entire family. So our thoughts and continued prayers are with them. In other news, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson wrote a powerful piece in the New York Times over the weekend honoring the life and the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King and to coincide with this week's events leading up to the April 4th commemoration of the assassination of Dr. King 50 years later, 
This New York Times piece is called We Forgot What Dr. King Believed In. And in this op-ed piece, Dr. Dyson talks about the social doctrine of Dr. King that he incorporated into every one of his sermons that were in some respects more powerful and impactful than uh, the traditional Christian messages that are preached uh, Sunday in and Sunday out. In this piece, Dr. Dyson says, and I quote, Dr. King's passionately believed that a commitment to God is a commitment to better uh, bettering humanity, that the spiritual practices of prayer and worship must be translated into concern for the poor and uh, vulnerable. Dr. King would want us to live his specific faith, work to defeat racism, speak out in principled opposition to war and combat poverty with enlightened and compassionate public policy. He also went on to say, and I quote, the black church's behavior has been shameful as well, with a few notable exceptions. Black churches have often been chronically indifferent to the fight against white supremacy. On this Easter Sunday, many ministers will dutifully preach about a crucified God without dwelling on the death in Sacramento of 22-year-old Stephen Clark in a police shooting that even the city's mayor, Daryl Steinberg, said was plain wrong, unquote. In essence, the social gospel adds some practicality to an otherwise spiritual profession. There must be some concern for our fellow man beyond the condition of their soul. I agree with Dr. Dyson that we as preachers, ministers of the faith, have to mobilize our congregations as blacks did in the 1960s to be more civically minded and civically active in their neighborhoods and communities and demonstrate to the world that the church is not so heavenly bound that they are no earthly good. I highly recommend you read this powerful New York Times piece written by Dr. Michael Eric Dyson. We've posted a link on our Thinking Out Loud radio show Facebook fan page. And finally, our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of Winnie Mandela, who passed away on yesterday. According to the BBC, she and her former husband, Nelson Mandela, who were both jailed, were a symbol of the country's anti-apartheid struggle for three decades. However, in later years, her reputation became tainted legally and politically. Crowds of mourners and political figures flocked to her home in Soweto in Johannesburg after news of her death broke. Mrs. Madakazela Mrs. Madakazela Mandela was born in 1936 in the Eastern Cape, then known as Transki, who was a trained social worker where she met her future husband in the 1950s. They went on to share two daughters together. They were married for a total of 38 years, although for almost three decades of that time they were separated due to Mr. Mandela's long imprisonment. The first person I thought of when the news broke on yesterday that Winnie Mandela had passed was Monica Morgan because she has some very interesting stories about Winnie that she shared during her interview with us that I know you're truly going to enjoy. Our continued thoughts and prayers go out to this family as they cope with the loss of this giant of a woman. 
Well, we're going to take our first break of the night. When we come back, we're going to share with you our interview with the incomparable, incredible international photojournalist and speaker, Monica Morgan. You don't want to go anywhere. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. Hi, my name is Maya, and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with radio show host and my daddy, Michael Nimmons. You better listen to that little girl. Looking for a professional tax and bookkeeping service? Then look no further than Consumer Tax Clinic. This is a full-service preparation and bookkeeping service that prides itself on great customer service, professionalism, and getting results. Have tax returns that still need to be filed or getting audited or having issues with IRS? Call Consumer Tax Clinic today at 248-395-0079. That's 248-395-0079. Consumer Tax Clinic, a tax service designed with you in mind. the show featuring Colonel Bob Tillman and Sergeant Preston Jowers of the Tuskegee Airmen. God has blessed you to live uh, through 10 decades and, and be able to see things and experience life in a way that, that many of us will never experience. Catch it on iTunes, Google Play Music, or tune in. Young men, young black men. You have the greatest opportunity in the world to be anything you want to be. Some of us went through an awful lot just to help you. So please, take advantage of it. Mm. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. Hi, I'm Michael Nimmons, Executive Director of the Vision Initiative, a nonprofit organization designed to give inner city and urban youth a new vision for themselves through mentorship programs, empowerment sessions, scholarships, and much more. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash The Vision Initiative and find out how to donate and become a mentor or volunteer. The Vision Initiative, opening the eyes of today's youth to new possibilities. Come join the vision. Welcome back to another very inspirational person spotlight edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. This is the birthday edition, chapter 42. Yes, that's right. It is my birthday and I'm so very happy to be celebrating it with a very special person on the line with us on tonight. 
a very inspirational person indeed. Uh, I want to just uh, share a little bit about her before we bring her on. She is known for her distinct style of world-class images of celebrities, heads of state, pop icons, and historic events. She is more than a photographer. She sees what others don't. She captures what others cannot. Whether she's freezing history or making it, she lives life through the lens, her lens. I want you to give a warm Thinking Out Loud radio show welcome to speaker, presenter, publishing consultant, and international photojournalist, the incomparable, incredible Monica Morgan. Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, Ms. Morgan. Thank you, and happy birthday for Chapter 42. <laughs> Thank you so, so very much. You have already made my birthday very special. Thank you for inviting me. You're absolutely welcome. So, um, as we as we normally do on our uh, VIP spotlights, we call them very inspirational spotlights because we like to uh, highlight uh, inspirational and influential people that are making an impact in their uh, communities. Um, for you, uh, and in your case, in making a huge impact in the world. Uh, so uh, everybody knows that that you are. Um, uh, one of the best photojournalists out there. We uh, we want we want to know from you. Tell our listeners what inspired you to get uh, to go into photography. Actually, I was led into photography. I truly believe that it was a gift from God because it was not something that I was thinking about. I was a writer. I started writing in the third grade because I was an only child and it was easy to express my feelings via writing. I was also interested in acting and modern dance. So those were the areas I was looking into, basically theater. Well, I actually graduated from college with a degree in communications. And after I graduated, I ended up getting a position in public relations for the Detroit Public Schools Adult Education Division, and they said that I had to be able to take photographs. So I used my theatrical skills to pretend that I was a photographer and got the job and started to learn about photography in order to keep the job started to like it, started to do more of it, started to focus on it, and that became my path. That seems, it does seem like it's it's uh, divinely inspired because you said you were not uh, looking at photography as a profession, but it just seemed like everything kind of lined up with that being uh, the impetus for you. Yes, yes, and I'm self-taught in photography. I had mentors and books, but that's that's how I learned it. Wow, self-taught. Well, I'm sure those of you who know and have seen uh, the incomparable Miss Monica Morgan's photos know that she does not look like she's been self-taught. She looks like she has been taught by some of the best of the very best. In fact. You know, now that you um, have have dedicated most of your life to photography, 
you know, are there some individuals that have inspired you um, in that field? Um, you know, start just starting out in photography, or um, you know, has it, or or have your influences been, you know, more outside of that genre completely? Harold Robinson, the first African-American hired by a major daily newspaper in Michigan, was my mentor. I was at a photo shoot with Stevie Wonder, and we were at an interview session. We were, like, behind the scenes before his concert. Well, I didn't have a lens that would get me close enough for the type of image that I wanted, even though we were in a room with Stevie Wonder. And Harold Robinson noticed that, and he gave me his lens. He said, come on, let's switch for a minute. He let me use his Zoom lens, and I was able to get some phenomenal images of Stevie Wonder. After that, he and I spoke, and he decided to mentor me. He said he was going to make me his world as as if he was going to leave his legacy to me. So I would call him oftentimes when I wasn't sure if I could do something. And he would encourage me and say, yes, yes, you can do that. For example, I was photographing a concert with, I think it was Chris Brown, but I know for sure it was Aaliyah because I was eventually hired to photograph her first hometown concert that day. And the city of Detroit asked me if I could go up in a helicopter and take aerial photos of the crowd of that particular outdoor concert. Well, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure, but I didn't want to lose the opportunity. So I said, hey, Harold, can I do this? He said, put your camera on infinity and do it. You can. And I did. And that's what happened oftentimes. I would call him up and he would he would give me the, the knowledge that I needed or the, the instruction so that I could do what I needed to do. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Man, I I know as a photographer, you have got, a photographer and photojournalist, you have got to have some amazing stories about some some of the the celebrities and influential people that you have been able to photograph over the years. Tell our listeners some of your most memorable uh, experiences photographing some of the most influential people on the planet. Let's see. There are so many stories. I think I'll start out with Winnie Mandela. I received a call from Israel, from from Prince Asiel in Israel, and he asked me, can you come to Israel tonight and photograph Winnie Mandela's historic visit? I said, excuse me? He said, can you come tonight? And I said, well, no, I can't come tonight, but I can come tomorrow. Well, I did. And I got to Demona, Israel, which is where the African Hebrew Israelites are. And I was able to document Winnie Mandela's uh, historic visit. Now, the thing about that that is most memorable was every day I had to kiss her on the lips and say, good morning, mommy. And mommy was an endearment in Zulu. And so when she saw me the first time, she said, I like your earrings. And I said, oh, thank you. And then she said, I like your earrings. Not sure exactly what that meant. And then she said, I like your earrings. And she extended her hand and said, give them to me. I was stunned. 
and I felt the earrings that I had on my ear to see which one she really liked. And they were some $10 earrings from a boutique. I said, okay, I'm going to give her these earrings. She better not like any of my better earrings. <laughs> so I handed her those earrings, and she smiled. That was a memorable moment. But we also, we had some great times. I photographed her in a private session in Hertz Leah, Israel. We went to Leah Rabin's funeral, the former first lady. And we also went to the Sea of Galilee, uh, the Whale and Wall, uh, the, the Dead Sea, which they call the Sea of Life. I was just able to travel throughout Israel with her. It was a, a, a quite a an astonishing time to be around someone like her. And then I've had moments, private moments with Rosa Parks as her personal and official photographer. And I will say that it was amazing to be around her because of course she didn't see herself as Rosa Parks. She just saw herself as a person. So being stage, if you will, or being in private moments with her was definitely a memorable time. For example, we were at an Air Force base once that she had once worked at as a domestic. And we were watching television and she was talking about Oprah and she admired her. And it was funny because I said, I know Oprah would be uh, you know, just ecstatic to know that Rosa Parks is actually sitting here talking about her like that. And then there was a time where she was unfortunately attacked by someone and I was in the hospital room with her, and she was very quiet and, and thoughtful. And she said, I said to her, Mrs. Parks, I can't believe someone did this to you. I am so angry. And she looked at me and, and kind of gave a smile and said, it could have been worse. Who thinks like that after they've been attacked? I mean, someone that's elderly, that's frail, and, and someone hits them, hits them in the face. Who could actually think like that? And so she was definitely a very positive force in my life. I actually shopped with her in Montgomery at stores that she had once worked at. I went to dinners with her, Emmett Till's mother, Mamie Till Mobley. I was around her with Coretta Scott King and Juanita Abernathy. And those were moments that I cherished, moments that I became a part of history without even realizing it because those people, Merle Evers Williams, they were people that I got to know who would know me when they saw me. And that was the most amazing thing, to be remembered by icons like them. There was a time when Stella interviewed in a hotel. I was in the lobby of the Carlton Hotel, getting going into the elevator, and uh, the elevator operator said excitedly, Mandiba, Mandiba, and I knew that was an endearment to Mandela. And I said, where is Mandiba? He said, he's up there on the, on the floor. I said, well, take me to where he is. And I got off the elevator, and I found out that Peter Jennings was interviewing him, and I patiently waited because I wanted to talk to President, or he was in um running for president, but I wanted to talk to Nelson Mandela. And when he came out, he took time to speak to me. He posed for me, and it was one of the most memorable moments ever. I was in South Africa in Johannesburg during the first RA selections. I ran towards a bomb. I covered that, which was a few days before the first RA selections. My images ran all over the world via the Associated Press Newswire. And I was I was the person that they thought had some of the most intimate moment photographs because no one really had access to him from the U.S. 
And it was just, I happened to be in the right place at the right time and the right people would take me in. So I would get photographs that no one else had gotten. I was, the first, my first day there or first or second day there, I actually followed a minister that I knew and went backstage with him and walked out onto a field where Mandela was performing a ritual and I got images right up close. It was an amazing time and later on I went to his office when he retired. I went to his home during his 90th birthday party in Kunu and I also photographed his final rites and his after tears ceremony where there was a president Kakwete from Tanzania that I had met and knew, and also Idris Elba. I ran into him, and, and I knew him. And so it was just, there have been some amazing moments that God has allowed me to be a part of, and I'll forever, ever be grateful to him for making those things happen. And that's why I say my photography ability is a gift from God because I could never have made those things happen on my own. Wow, Miss Morgan, I am literally here with chills just listening to you talk about some of your experiences that are truly, truly amazing. Um, I don't even know how to uh, to put it in words how, again, uh, honored I am that you are talking to us. Um, uh, you, you, again, have met some of uh, the individuals that... Um, I, including uh, all of our listeners, have looked up to and and um, and 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 admired from afar. And now I'm talking to someone who has photographed and 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 spent time with Rosa Parks, Mandela, Nelson Mandela, um, and and Coretta Scott King, and other influential individuals and it's just uh, amazing to me again to be able to have you on our radio show and we're going to be including um, a lot of those photographs that you have sent us on our Facebook fan page so that um, all of our listeners and individuals who have liked our page will be able to see them and, and be able to appreciate um, the brilliance of your photography Hi, I'm Michael Nimmons, Executive Director of the Vision Initiative, a nonprofit organization designed to give inner city and urban youth a new vision for themselves through mentorship programs, empowerment sessions, scholarships, and much more. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Division Initiative and find out how to donate and become a mentor or volunteer. Division Initiative, opening the eyes of today's youth to new possibilities. Come join the vision.
it's their birthday and need a gift for that special someone, then call KCN Designs and sit back and smile. KCN Designs specialize in custom-made all-occasion baskets that are sure to make that special someone smile. Call KCN Designs today at 248-820-3691 and order your custom basket today. Hi, my name is Maya and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with radio show host and my daddy, Michael Nimmons. You better listen to that little girl. Former State Representative Chanel Jackson, candidate for U.S. Congress in the 13th District. And you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Miss the show featuring Hollywood red carpet reporter and best-selling author Tizzy Taylor. I want to really get your thoughts on uh, kind of what's going on with the Me Too movement in Hollywood. Catch it on iTunes, Google Play Music, or tune in. Uh, with regarding the Me Too movement, I think it's um, very brave individuals for the women to come forth and to share their stories and to talk about what they went through. Um, she was a very traumatic experience. My heart goes out to those individuals and I applaud Hollywood for the, the stance that they've taken. So I applaud everybody who's a part of it and using their voice to effect change because something has to be done. This behavior must not continue. I know you are enjoying this interview with the incomparable, incredible photojournalist and speaker, Monica Morgan. Let's get back into this interview with this dynamically talented young lady. I want to find out from you, uh, you know, I, I saw a couple photographs you sent um when um, President Obama, um, the announcement was made uh, back in 2007 in November in Hyde Park, Chicago, um, Illinois. You were there photographing uh, the, the, the then 44th um, President of the United States, the first black president of the United States. Tell us what that experience was like. What were some of your emotions? What was the... What was the spirit of uh, the, the the park um, there um, with this this giant of a man uh, walking right into history's um, um, annals? Well, it wasn't my first time photographing him. I had photographed him several times as a senator, and I'd also been his photographer during an event that Detroit had, the NAACP Freedom Fund Dinner, when he was senator and had a chance to be photographed with him. So being there was amazing. It was something, of course, that I'll never forget. At that time, I had very, very bad knees. I had no cartilage, and I walked mm. with a slight limp. 
So it was painful to actually take the photograph because I had to kneel down and being on my knees was excruciating. But that didn't matter to be there as history unfolded. My pain almost was non-existent because I was lost in the moment. Although there were thousands of people in that stadium, I was sequestered in my own world, living out that moment, thinking about my grandparents, wishing they could have experienced that moment, thinking about my mom who had passed on before me, wishing she could have experienced that moment, thinking about young African-American children, especially who felt that their dreams, or who might feel that their dreams would be deferred. Being there in that moment, wanting to say to them, look, look at this man, the first black man to become president. It means that your dreams can come true too. I, I wish I could have, like I said, like I said, shared that moment with my grandfather who had experienced segregation and, and, and Jim Crow laws and my grandmother as well. And I just wanted to share that moment with people who needed to know that dreams do come true. And so I wanted my images to convey just that. For those people who weren't able to be there in the moment, I wanted my photographs to transport them there. So there was no pain for me. There was nothing but me, my camera, and what was unfolding, unfolding in front of me. It was an experience that's really, really hard to describe because it was almost an out-of-body experience. I just mechanically photographed those moments and I'm honored that they those moments will live forever through my images. Wow, they surely will. They surely will. We could we as we look at those photos and and images from High Park, um we can feel nothing but nostalgia. Um, you know, it just seems like those eight years have flown completely by. But uh, those images will live forever uh, in our in our memories, and thankfully we have them uh, to look at and to remember uh, that historic moment back in November of 2007. Um, you have uh, again photographed so many uh, influential people. Um, You've, you know, in your bio, you have an extensive list of celebrities, um, the likes of Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, Prince, um, Aaliyah, for example. What was it like photographing um, uh, the genius of Michael Jackson and Prince? The Michael Jackson photos that I have were very interesting because I never photographed him in concert. I photographed him when he made a couple of visits to Detroit. One particular time he was visiting Motown and they brought him in in such a way that it was almost like he was rushed in, rolled in, you didn't even know it was him, it was so fast and then boom, there he was right mm. in front of us. And I had a chance to photograph him then. And the other time was when he was here promoting 
a casino with Don Barton. So I was able to take images of him there. I was not able to photograph him in concert, and I do regret that. My Prince moments. I never met Prince. However, I had an opportunity to photograph him several times. The first time I photographed him, I used a zoom lens and I used 3600 ASA film to capture him. And I wasn't supposed to take photographs, even though I was working for newspapers then. They wouldn't give me credentials. But I used my lens, my long lens, and got images, and they were amazing. And there was another time when I was photographing Prince, and he actually went way, way up high. And so as journalists or people who cover concerts at this particular venue, we just knew we'd be up close because you know, he was giving us 30 seconds to photograph him. So we, there was no sense in carrying a whole bunch of heavy, unnecessary lenses because we knew he'd be right in front of us. But Prince surprised us by going way, way high up, knowing that we could not capture him that day. Well, I didn't want to fail. So I said, okay, I got to do something. I, I, I have to come back with images of him. And so what I did, I went out to my car, I grabbed some lenses, I strapped them on underneath this long duster that I used to wear that kind of reminded people of the Matrix. And I prayed, I said, God, I got to get these images. I can't fail because if I fail, it's going to be on me, not, be not because of the circumstance. And I saw a police lieutenant that I knew, and I looked at him and I said, I've got to get in there. I've got to get in there, in there with my equipment. And he told the people at the the meter detector, the radar, uh, the metal detectors, rather, he said, uh, she's good. And I walked through with all of that, all of that camera equipment. And I got into a place that was decent where I could take photos of him. There was security right in front of me. I was trembling, but I got images of him. And I ran them in a newspaper, so I didn't do anything unethical. I ran them in a publication, and if they wanted to come after me, they could. But they would have come after me doing my job, because my job was to capture images of prints, and I did. And they knew my name was on them. They could have said something, but they didn't. So obviously it was okay. That was a moment I photographed him again in concert. I photographed him at the Image Awards. And I was kind of close to him backstage at the Image Awards, and a lot of people didn't necessarily care for him because of his, his personality. But I didn't allow any of that to affect me because I loved his music. I, I felt like he was a person that just took us places that we may have thought of and just would never have the courage to go by being so creative. Um, you said in your, as I'm, as I was perusing your, your bio, you indicated that, um, the photography market is a male dominated, uh, profession. Uh, tell our listeners, what are some of the things that you're doing to change that? Well, when I started out in photography, I started my business in 1987. I went full-time in 1990, and it was definitely, definitely a man's world. People did not take me seriously when I first started, but I, I vowed to change that. Today, there are more women in the business, and I think we're more accepted. However, it's still a struggle. It's still a struggle. I know that when I go to events, sometimes guys want to say, oh, that I'm there and get what I want because I'm pretty. And that's not true. It has always been a struggle. 
I'm welcomed into places now, which in the past I wasn't, but I often had to fight to get where I needed to be. Once I was photographing President Wade of Senegal, I had gone on a private plane to his country, and there was a an opening of a cultural center going on, and I was keeping in step with him, walking backwards, taking photographs of he and his military, and the military got close to me and started to push me in my chest out the way. And I knew that they were actually just trying to take advantage by, by touching me in a place where a female shouldn't be touched, but they were pushing me. And the president noticed it and stopped them immediately. But see, I, kept, I stood my ground and kept on taking the photographs and took that kind of inappropriate behavior because, see, I could have stopped and said, oh, they're touching me inappropriately and complained, but then I would have missed the moment. I would have missed those those photographs. So mm-hmm. I had to keep on doing what I did and it ended up working out because that president actually um because that president actually, you know, reprimanded them for what they were doing. And then there were times when I was actually photographing Momar Gaddafi. He saw my work, he liked it, he took a lot of my images or he you know, he he said, Wow, you you captured my essence and so as a result of that, I was able to photograph a lot of events that went on with the African Union. Now, I don't support terrorism, and I was just taking advantage of the opportunity to be able to photograph African presidents up close in, in private settings, which I was able to do. I photographed, oh my gosh, about 40 African-American presidents at one event in one room. I was the only American, the only African-American, and the only woman in that particular setting. And I was able to capture their images as well as Yasser Arafat. And they started to call me Monica. Some of them couldn't speak English, but that was an amazing time for me. And I used to say to people, if the Pope would call me, I would go and photograph him as well, but I wasn't getting that call. I was getting a call to come and document Africa, and I took advantage of it, and it forever changed me because I saw history unfold. Wow. Wow. I am truly enjoying our interview with the incomparable, incredible, incredible uh, international photojournalist Monica Morgan. I am so happy that she has joined us on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Uh, we are celebrating our uh, celebrating Chapter 42 with uh, the incomparable photojournalist Monica Morgan. And again, we're so happy to have you on the show with us on today. Your bio uh, mentions that you are uh, transitioning into motivational speaking. And uh, I mean, that is uh, truly an inspirational a uh, way to share uh, your stories and your message uh, to uh, uh, our young people, uh, young people across the world. Um, tell us what what inspired you to branch out into that profession, and what you what are some of the goals that you're looking to accomplish as a motivational speaker. There are things that are happening in my life that have caused me to shift to speak because I want to transform lives. I want to use the gift that God has given me of photography and the ability to share a story that will help those who believe that their dreams can't come true. 
So I have been studying with Toastmasters. I've just recently joined the National Speakers Association. And I am truly focused in learning the best way to share stories so that lives can be transformed. I'm in a mastermind group studying Think and Grow Rich with Napoleon Hill's book. And my life is just taking a different shift at this particular point. I'm going to be 55 this year, and I just feel that God is calling me to a bigger calling, to take the gift that he's given me that I've been working to develop and to share even more with the world in different ways. I am gladly receiving the route and the path that he is directing me on. Still not 100% sure of, of where it's going to lead, but I, I, he's never let me down. So I am perfecting my craft. Going, I'm going to work on a book. I'm spending more time focusing. I spend a lot of time in libraries. I've always done that. Spending a lot of time in bookstores, going to events, taking classes. And I look forward to sharing it with young people, with people who don't believe in themselves, with people who don't believe that their dreams can come true. I also use my photography, as I said before, to help young women especially, young girls, to see themselves in a better light and not to fall for the stereotypes that have been photoshopped heavily. I like to bring out the inner them and let them see themselves and, and help them overcome bullying moments. Also to help them realize that there are people who won't share their dreams, there are people who won't help them with their dreams, but God will put the right people in their path to direct them where they need to be. So. I'm just using the gift that God has given me to be a ministry, if you will, with photography, with words, and hopefully I will transform lives. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Michael Nimmons, Executive Director of the Vision Initiative, a nonprofit organization designed to give inner city and urban youth a new vision for themselves through mentorship programs, empowerment sessions, scholarships, and much more. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash the Vision Initiative and find out how to donate and become a mentor or volunteer. The Vision Initiative, opening the eyes of today's youth to new possibilities. Come join the vision. bookkeeping service, then look no further than Consumer Tax Clinic. This is a full-service preparation and bookkeeping service that prides itself on great customer service, professionalism, and getting results. Have tax returns that still need to be filed or getting audited or having issues with IRS? Call Consumer Tax Clinic today at 248-395-0079. That's 248-395-0079. Consumer Tax Clinic, a tax service designed with you in mind.
I'm Monica Morgan, international photojournalist and motivational speaker. Listen to Thinking Out Loud radio show. It's a show that will make a difference in your life. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. I hope you have enjoyed our interview with the incomparable, incredible photojournalist and speaker, Monica Morgan. Let's hear the conclusion of this powerful interview. Well, I, again, am, um, I truly appreciate um, you being on the show with us. I'm glad you mentioned mentoring because... Uh, I mentor uh, a group of young kids uh, at David's, David Ellis Academy West as a part of the nonprofit organization that I'm uh, the executive director of. And um, our young people are definitely in need of more positive role models like yourself. Um, I would certainly love uh, the opportunity to have you come and talk to uh, the youth there. And we're looking to even branch out to other schools and uh and other facilities where our young people are so in so in so desperate in need of positive role models we want to expand their paradigm and show them that the world is much bigger uh than what they see on television what they see in the movies um that there are opportunities and 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 more opportunities than um than what is in front of them and certainly someone like yourself uh who definitely has inspired me and I'm sure has inspired those that are listening on tonight um uh, I'm sure will be a great inspiration to them as well I would be honored to do that I just read to some elementary school students earlier this week and the book that I chose was A Night Out with Mama and it was written by then nine-year-old Cuban Zane Wallace who was, who was actually nominated for an Academy Award, the youngest person ever. Well, I had photographed her at the Image Awards when she was nine and when she had been nominated and had a chance to meet her and her mom. So when I saw the book, I was just just overjoyed to see that she had written a book. Well, I started to research her even more and found out that now she's 14 and she's written four books. So I made sure that I let those five and six-year-olds know that a nine-year-old had done that so that they weren't even too young to start making their dreams a reality if they listened to their teachers and if they believed in themselves and started to apply themselves more because you're never too young to do that. So, yes, I would be honored to talk to those young people. I just loved it when their eyes opened up wide when they saw that a young nine-year-old had actually put those books together and starred in a movie. I think that's what we've all been put on earth to do. We've been given a story, we've been given gifts, and we have to give back. And that's something I've always done and something that I believe in. And it's a passion of mine. I also want to use my Toastmaster skills to teach speaking to young people, to teach photography to them, where they can actually get up, show their images, and be able to tell the stories behind them. 
I hope you guys are enjoying our interview with Monica Morgan. Uh, I truly am, and uh, I, it's just amazing how time has flown by um, just listening to all the stories. And what I appreciate the most about Miss um, Morgan is how uh, she is so humbled and understands that everything that she does um, is is a gift from God. And sometimes you have uh, people who ascend to certain heights and um, and feel like they've pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps. And they, you know, um, they're prideful and arrogant and, and all of those things that are associated with that. But I don't get the sense at all that you are that kind of person uh, given the 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 massive amount of experience and accomplishments uh, that you have as a photojournalist and photographer, um, I truly appreciate you and all that you've done. Um, you know, and and again, I I just appreciate how you uh, direct everything back to God, which is um, remarkable. Well. That's that's how I'm here. That's that's why I'm here because it's that gift. It wasn't something that I chose. It chose me, and I'm just trying to find out what I'm supposed to do next. And I believe that I'm being directed to, like I said, transform lives to continue to mentor. And I'm enjoying this path. I wouldn't give it up for anything in the world. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am again, again, so very happy to have had uh, the incomparable, incredible international photojournalist and motivational speaker, Monica Morgan, on the Thinking Out Loud radio show with us, the birthday edition for our show. I truly appreciate her carving out time. She is a very busy woman, and I certainly appreciate her lending time to us and to our listeners to be a part of this show. I wish you nothing but the best in the future. I hope God continues to open doors for you, opportunities that no man can shut and take you places that you have never, ever seen before. Thank you so much for being on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. God bless you. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. Miss the show featuring Christian rapper and poet Ty Scott King. Tell us about your new single, Concrete. This song, Concrete, for, for anyone who's ever felt like they're not good enough. You know, I, I came up from the concrete. Like, that's, so I know what it's like to feel like, oh man, where I come from might limit where I can go. Catch it on iTunes, Google Play Music, or tune in. Enjoy the show? Leave a comment on the Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook.com slash Radio Show. Share the episode. Subscribe to the podcast. Facebook about it. Tweet about it. Instagram about it. Make the show a part of your weekly routine. Tune in.
Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is Michael Eric Dyson, and when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Hi, I'm Michael Nimmons, Executive Director of the Vision Initiative, a nonprofit organization designed to give inner city and urban youth a new vision for themselves through mentorship programs, empowerment sessions, scholarships, and much more. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash The Vision Initiative and find out how to donate and become a mentor or volunteer. The Vision Initiative, opening the eyes of today's youth to new possibilities. Come join The Vision. years ago, one of the greatest leaders of our time was cut down by an assassin's bullet at the tender age of 39. While standing on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, Tennessee, Dr. King's life ended on April 4, 1968. But just a day earlier, Dr. King gave what is still his most powerful address to the nation and the world about a mountaintop experience that only he could articulate. But what many do not know is that he almost missed the opportunity to give this address because of the tremendous storm that night that he believed would prevent people from attending the rally at the historic Mason Temple. But unbeknownst to him, until he received a call from Ralph Abernathy after deciding not to attend the rally and to have Ralph speak on his behalf, Reverend Abernathy called him and said, Doc, you better get down here quick. The people have packed out this church, and they're not here to see me, but they're here to hear you. So let us take a moment and travel back in time to capture some precious moments from that stormy evening in Memphis, Tennessee on April 3rd, 1968. Thank you very kindly, my friends. As I listen to Ralph Abernathy and his eloquent and generous introduction, and uh, then thought about myself, I wondered who he was talking about. <laughs> it's always good to 
have your closest friend and associate to say something good about you. And Ralph Abernathy is the best friend that I have in the world. I'm delighted to see each of you here tonight in spite of a storm warning. You reveal that you are determined to go on anyhow. Something is happening in Memphis, something is happening in our is all messed up. The nation is sick. Trouble is in the land, confusion all around. That's a strange statement. But I know somehow that only when it is dark enough can you see the stars. And I see God working in this period of the 20th century in a way that men in some strange way are responding. Something is happening in our world. The masses of people are rising up and wherever they are assembled today, whether they are in Johannesburg, South Africa, Nairobi, Kenya, Accra, Ghana, New York City, Atlanta, Georgia, Jackson, Mississippi, or Memphis, Tennessee, the cry is always the same, we want to be free. And another reason that I'm happy to live in this period is that we have been forced to a point where we are going to have to grapple with the problems that men have been trying to grapple with through history, but the demands didn't force them to do it. Survival demands that we grapple with them. Men for years now have been talking about war and peace. But now, no longer can they just talk about it. It is no longer the choice between violence and non-violence in this world. It's non-violence or non-existence. That is where we are today. Now, I'm just happy that God has allowed me to live in this period. And I want to say tonight, I want to say tonight that I, too, am happy that I didn't sneeze, because if I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around here in 1960, when students all over the South started sitting in at lunch counters. And I knew that as they were sitting in, they were really standing up for the best in the American dream and taking the whole nation back to those great wells of democracy which were dug deep by the Founding Fathers in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around here in 1961 when we decided to take a ride for freedom and ended segregation in interstate travel. 
If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around here in 1962. The Negroes in Albany, Georgia, decided to straighten their backs up. And whenever men and women straighten their backs up, they are going somewhere because a man can't ride your back unless it is bent. If I had sneezed, it really doesn't matter what happens now. I left Atlanta this morning, and as we got started on the plane, there were six of us. The pilot said over the public address system, we are sorry for the delay. But we have Dr. Martin Luther King on the plane. And to be sure that all of the bags were checked. And to be sure that nothing would be wrong on the plane, we had to check out everything carefully. And we've had the plane protected and guarded all night. And then I got into Memphis. And some began to say the threats, or talk about the threats that were out. Or what would happen to me from some of our sick white brothers? Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now, because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I would like to give special thanks to the incomparable, incredible international photojournalist and speaker, Monica Morgan. She is such an amazing person and yet so humble and gracious all at the same time. I truly appreciate her being on our birthday show with us. Uh, you've definitely made it very special. If you want to see more of her work, you can check it out on our Facebook fan page or Go to MonicaMorganSpeaks.com. There you can see her work, follow her social media, and even book your next photo shoot. That's MonicaMorganSpeaks.com. Next week, our birthday show series continues with Rexy Roll. You're probably wondering, who is that? 
Well, Rexy Roll is the vice president and general counsel for Western Air, which is the largest black-owned airline in the Bahamas. This young lady is doing big things in the aviation industry, and she is just 29 years old. Next week, people, we'll be talking with a real power broker. This is another interview you don't want to miss. And thank you again for tuning in to the birthday edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, Chapter 42. Thank you so much for listening to us and supporting the Thinking Out Loud radio show. You have truly made this day very special. Well, we'll see you same time, same station next week when we're talking with Rexy Rowe from Western Air. And until then, always remember, if you think it, then you can believe it. If you believe it, then you can see it. If you can see it, then you can be it. If you can be it, then you can achieve it. The power rests within you. The mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want. The power is in you. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast. Be sure to support all of our show sponsors. If you like the show, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or TuneIn. Want to book Michael Nimmons for a speaking engagement, book signing, or corporate event? Send an email to contact at michaelnimmons.org. Be sure to follow the show on all of his social media accounts on Twitter at TOL Radio Show on Instagram at the TOL Radio Show and on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash thinking out loud radio are you an entrepreneur and want to advertise become a thinking out loud radio show partner send an email to thinking out loud radio show at gmail.com we have some affordable advertising packages just for you Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you.